Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time where we can spend looking at your word closely and trying to understand more about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you may give us much of your Spirit's help this morning, and may we become more like Jesus Christ as we study his life and learn from his example. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you find prayer difficult? Do you find that you struggle to know what to pray for and how to pray? I must admit, in my own life, I find it difficult to pray. Uh, it can just be having, making the time to actually sit down and do it, and then once you start praying, you struggle to continue. You, you feel like you don't know exactly what to pray, and you feel like your prayers aren't fervent enough. You don't know exactly what sort of attitude you should have in prayer, and so you've attempted to leave off because you don't think that uh, the way you are praying is in, exactly right. We struggle to pray at times. The question is, did Jesus pray? And did Jesus find it difficult to pray? I mean, did Jesus pray at all? Could be a good question to ask, because remember, who is Jesus? I mean, Jesus is God himself. He is human, but he is also God. Did Jesus need to pray? Did Jesus ever pray? Well, when we consider then that Jesus is also a high priest as well as the Son of God, we have to consider, well, generally speaking, priests do pray. What did Jesus do when he was here on earth? Did he actually pray? Did he perform that role as a high priest of someone who knows what it is to pray to God? And the answer is yes. Yes, Jesus did indeed pray when he was here on earth. And we see that in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 5. We'll be looking at verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 5, and so I encourage you to have it open before you. It's found on page 1187 of the Black Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter seven, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, we read, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. The author of Hebrews wants us to understand that Jesus was a person who prayed. Yes, Jesus was the Son of God. We understand that just from verse 5 in the same chapter, just two verses earlier. What do we read in verse 5? So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. He is indeed God. He is God's son, but he still saw a need to communicate with his heavenly father, who is also God. And also, as priest, it is necessary for us to see that Jesus was someone who prayed. He was a good priest who, when he lived here on earth, was someone who knew what it was to pray. And so in verse 6 we see, and he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we see that Jesus is son, he is also priest. And then the author of Hebrews wants to show us that Jesus is priest because he was a person who prayed. He was a person who prayed. We've seen before in uh, chapter uh, 4 and also chapter 5, we've been slowly working through this in Hebrews, we've seen many factors that show that Jesus is a good high priest. And now the author just wants to add one other thing to the way that we see that Jesus is a good high priest, and that is the prayers of Jesus show that Jesus was a good high priest. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, the prayers of Jesus. 
and in prayers at a particular time in Jesus' life. Because the author of Hebrews wants to show us what sort of prayer life Jesus had so we can see that he was a good high priest. And so the question we have to ask firstly is what sort of prayers did Jesus pray? Because there's different types of prayers that we can pray. We can pray prayers of adoration, praising God for who he is. We can pray prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. We can pray prayers of confession, confessing sins that we have committed. We can pray prayers of supplication and petitions where we ask God for things. He would do things in our lives. What sort of prayers did Jesus pray while he was on earth? Well, the author of Hebrews wants to focus on a particular type of prayer that Jesus prays, and that's in verse 7. What does it say? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. What sort of prayers did Jesus pray? Well, my first main point this morning is, you can see them there on the back of the church bulletin, there's 12 points this morning. Um, That does not mean I'll take as much time as I usually take per point. Uh, They're pretty quick points, but 12 points. And my first is, Jesus prayed petitions. Jesus prayed petitions. He prayed prayers that were supplications, that were asking God for things. He petitioned God. Now, that's not saying that Jesus didn't pray prayers of thanksgiving or adoration. We see in the Bible, in the New Testament, other types of prayers that Jesus prayed. But the author wants, at this point in time, to focus on Jesus' petitionary prayers because, of course, what is the author trying to prove? Jesus is a great high priest. And what do priests do? They often pray petitions to God. What do they pray in their prayers of petition? Well, the word petition gives us a bit of a clue as to what a petitionary prayer is. This word that's translated petition in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 5 is an unusual Greek word in the New Testament, and it actually is used uh, by other Greek authors, and it was for the ancient practice of holding out an olive branch as a sign of appeal to someone for peace. So when you petition someone with this Greek word that's here in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, you are basically saying, I'm holding out an olive branch to you for peace. I want you to be peaceful toward me, and I'm showing that just not just by the way that I speak, but the way that I'm acting before you. I'm trying to have peace with you. So then if Jesus prayed petitionary prayers, what was he exactly praying for? Why did Jesus come with an olive branch, so to speak, to God the Father? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Jesus prayed about his death. Jesus prayed about his death. We see that in verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was praying to one who could save him from death. The content of his prayer was about his own death that was coming. And that is generally when you offer an olive branch to someone else for peace, fervently to someone, is because they usually have authority over you and have power to put you to death. And so you are saying, please, don't put me to death. You wave the olive branch toward them and say, please, 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 don't put me to death. Now, why would Jesus pray about his own death in that way? Why would he pray to God about his death? Well, 
he knew that his death that was coming was going to be immensely painful. He knew it was going to be a crucified death, where he was going to be crucified, which is a painful, one of the most painful ways that you can die on this planet. And he also knew, though, that he was not only going to die that excruciating death, but he was going to suffer God's wrath on that cross for the sins of many people who would trust in him, that he would experience hell on the cross. And that, of course, caused Jesus to pray a petitionary prayer to God. He was moved to pray to God. And we see that in the Gospels. We see him pray before he is crucified. Matthew chapter 26, page 985. Flip with me to it. 985 of your church Bible. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Matthew 26, verse 39, page 985 of your Black Church Bibles. But I'll read from verse 36, where we read, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. We see three prayer sessions of Jesus, and we see the content of his prayers there in Matthew chapter 26. And what is the content of those prayers? It is about his death. And particularly, what does he keep praying that would be taken from him? The cup would be removed. What is that cup? was the cup of God's wrath. In the Old Testament, in, in books like Isaiah, the prophets, they speak about the cup of God's wrath being poured out on people. And here Jesus knew that that was what was about to happen to him, that the cup of God's wrath, that the, the wrath that God has against people for their sin, that God has against you for your sin, he would be drinking that wrath, experiencing that terrible wrath of God at the cross. And so, what does Jesus do? As he knows that's going to happen, he prays. He prays about that death that he is going to die. The question then is, how does Jesus pray? He, we see the content of his prayer. How does he pray? Well, we get told in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, how he prays. And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Jesus prayed fervently. Jesus prayed fervently. 
Jesus petitioned God about his death with loud cries and tears. We see that in verse 7. What does it say? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence and mission. We saw there in Matthew 26 the content of his prayers. We don't get a good grasp on how fervently he was praying. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, we do see how fervently he was praying. It says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Actually, there's good reason to believe that he really did have blood coming out. The capillaries were bursting as he was so fervent in his prayers that he was concentrating so much on what he was saying and so earnest in what he was saying to God about his death, that he really meant what he was praying. I mean, when we cry, we show a genuine affection in our emotions, that we have been affected genuinely. And that's what Jesus was doing there. He really meant what he was praying. How did Jesus pray? He prayed with fervency about his death. question is, who did Jesus pray to? Who did Jesus pray to? Because, of course, we can pray to lots of different people. What does the author of Hebrews say that Jesus prayed to? Well, it says that he prayed to the one who could save him out of death. Verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence and mission. Now, who is that? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point. Jesus prayed to God. Jesus prayed to God. Jesus knew that salvation only comes from God. What does Jonah 2.9 says? Salvation comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from an idol. No point praying to an idol. Salvation doesn't come from it. It doesn't come from praying to your ancestors. Jesus didn't pray back to King David as the great ancestor that he was descended from, as though King David could give him salvation from the cup of God's wrath that is coming and the death that he was experiencing. No, he knew that he had to pray to the one who could save him from death, and that had to be God. It had to be God the Father, the Lord. He prayed to that one who could save him from death. How else did Jesus pray? You see, they prayed with great fervency, but then the author also wants to tell us that he prayed with reverent submission. That's my fifth main point this morning. Jesus prayed with reverent submission. We see that in verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. What does it mean to be reverently submissive? Uh, This word is a bit of a difficult word to translate as well in the Greek, uh, but it's someone who is godly fear. It's got an association with fear and with devotion and with piety. Jesus was putting himself into God's hands, basically. He was reverently submitting himself over to God and saying, I'm putting myself into your hands. I'm committing my spirit into your hands. And we see that back in Matthew 26 those verses that we read. What does Jesus say? He says, may the cup be taken from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Is that a sign of reverence and mission? Absolutely. He's saying, not my will, but your will be done. He's saying, I'm putting myself in your hands, O God. 
And he then is expressing reverent submission. He's willing to have the Father do whatever the Father thinks best to him. He's putting himself in God's hands. Question then we might ask, okay, this is the way that Jesus prayed, but how effective were his prayers? I mean, yes, he seems like a good high priest in the way that he prays. He prays, obviously, with petitions, as a priest should, petitioning God about wrath and death. He prays, obviously, very earnest. You couldn't fault him on that point. You can't say, oh, he's our high priest, but he doesn't really mean what he says. No, he means what he says. He's very fervent in his prayers, and he's reverently submissive. I mean, I've heard some people sometimes who are leaders of churches, and they sound completely irreverent in the way that they speak about God in the way that they pray. It's quite sad to actually hear them. They just don't seem that they really mean what they're saying. But with Jesus, you can say, yes, of course, he is a great high priest. He really does know what it is to pray. But the question is, how effective are his prayers? He may seem to tick all the right boxes, but how effective are his prayers? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us that he was effective And that's my sixth main point this morning. Jesus prayed successfully. Verse 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence and mission. He was heard, and not just heard in the sense that God knew what he was saying, but heard as in, I'm going to do what Jesus has asked. And what is that? Going to save him out from death. And we know that Jesus' prayers were indeed answered because of the resurrection. Jesus didn't pray. We've got to be very careful here. Jesus didn't pray that he would not die because he did die. What does he pray? He prays to someone who could save him from death. Out of was another translation of that word. And was Jesus saved out of death? Absolutely. He's not dead now. He's alive. Was he saved out of God's wrath? Yes. He is no longer experiencing the wrath of God. It is done. He has paid for the sins of those who trust in him. There is nothing further to be paid. There is no more wrath that Jesus needs to experience. He has been saved out from death. His prayers were indeed successful. And we see that by his resurrection. If there was more wrath to be satisfied, he would still be dead. He would still be in the grave. But instead, he is alive, and his prayers were immensely successful. So we see here this morning that Jesus is a great high priest. He knows how to pray, and his prayers, when Jesus prays, they're heard, and they're effective. What other high priest would you want serving you as your high priest than one who does know how to pray and who God actually hears his prayers? I mean, you look at some of the other high priests in the New Testament, the ones who actually put Jesus to death. Do you want them as your high priests? Do you think God will listen to their prayers for you? Jesus is the high priest you want. He is one who knows how to pray and his prayers are successful. Is there anything else you can learn from this text for you this morning? Yes, I believe we can follow Jesus' example of his prayer life here as well. We can learn from Jesus and follow his example. And that brings me to my seventh main point this morning. Pray petitions. 
pray petitions. Yes, you should be praying prayers of adoration. Yes, you should be praying prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done for you. Yes, you should be praying prayers of confession for what you have done. But pray prayers of petition and particularly you should have at least in one point in your life, and I encourage you to keep doing it to God, pray a prayer of petition which is like offering an olive branch to God. An offering to him for peace. Asking him, begging him for peace. And what should that prayer be about? Why do you need to come to God with an olive branch? Well, that brings me to my eighth point this morning. Pray about your death. Pray about your death. You should consider that you are going to die one day. It's not something people like to say. It's not something people like to hear. Don't go around, generally speaking, telling people, you're going to die. Do you know? Have you considered that lately? You're going to die. But you should, because it is true. You will die one day. Ecclesiastes 3.20 says, All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. And after death, you will also face judgment. And the cup of God's wrath is waiting for you and for your sin. Hebrews 9.27 says that. Man is destined to die once, meaning no reincarnations, and after that, face judgment. You will face judgment when you die. And that is something you should be praying about. You should be praying about the fact that you are going to die one day and that you will face God's wrath. And if you do that, then you should be praying fervently. How should you pray about the death that you're going to experience? You should be praying fervently. That's my ninth main point this morning. Pray fervently. Men are not supposed to cry. That is the general rule in our culture, isn't it? We're supposed to be strong and not cry. We're going to speak to the men for a moment here. But what does that say about Jesus? Was Jesus a man? I mean... Would any of you willingly walk to a cross and be crucified for other people? Would you say that's not what a, 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 that doesn't show much strength on Jesus' part? Jesus was a man, but he cried when he considered death and judgment of God. And if you are to consider your own death and consider the wrath of God that you deserve for your sin, you're going to be moved to tears pretty much if you really consider it that you're going to face God's wrath one day. And you will at least be driven to fervent prayer. I don't mean that you're supposed to, if you pray about your death and about God's judgment of you, that you're supposed to produce tears. I mean, some people can, the crocodile tears. You can sort of bring them out. But at least mean what you say. I didn't say as my ninth main point, pray with tears. I said pray fervently. Pray. That's what the loud cries and the tears are meant to express. Not that that's what you're meant to do every time you pray about your death and God's judgment. That you're meant to mean what you pray. That you are scared of the judgment to come, of God's wrath to be poured out upon you. And so you pray fervently. Who should you pray to then? If you're going to pray about your own death, who should you pray to? There's lots of options. Our culture gives us lots of different religions that you can choose from. Who should you pray to? Well, that's my tenth main point this morning. Pray to God. Pray to God. 
When you're concerned about your death, pray to the one who can save. Who does salvation belong to? The Lord. It comes from God. Not your ancestors, not a statue, not a cow, not some animal that you have in your backyard, not Mary, not Peter, not any other saint. Salvation doesn't come from them. If you're going to pray... If you're going to pray about God's wrath coming on you and your death, pray to the one who can save from death, and that is God. And how do we know he can save from death? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If God has done it before, he can do it again. And so, of course, that's the person you're going to pray to, the one who has shown that he has power over death. So when you feel... Afraid, as you should, about your own death and God's judgment to come, who do you pray to? You pray to the one who can save you from death, the one who has revealed that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, that then he took that cup of wrath that you deserve for your sins, and when you die once and face judgment, you will not be condemned because the cup that you deserve to drink for all of eternity has already been drunk by Jesus Christ. And has been satisfied. It has been drunk down to the dregs. All of it is gone. You don't have anything to pay. Because Jesus took it for you and then was saved out of it. And so you will be saved as well. So when you come to God in prayer, pray fervently. Pray about your death. Pray about the wrath to come. But also remember to pray in reverent submission. That's my 11th main point this morning. Pray in reverent submission. Remember what Jesus did. He prayed in reverent submission. Now I know it's hard to come to God in prayer because firstly that shows a bit of submission to begin with. When you come to God and pray about your death and ask for help, you're showing that you aren't the strong person that you like to think you are. The independent person that doesn't need any help from anybody. But when you come before God in prayer, you're showing humility in itself. You're showing a reverent submission to God just by coming. But then you can even, when you come in prayer, you can pray without a reverent submission. You can come arrogantly to God and demand he save you when he has no obligation to show mercy or grace to you in any shape or form. No reason to give you eternal life. There is nothing in you that could make God owe you eternal life. So when you come to God in prayer about your death and judgment, don't make demands. Come in reverent submission, pleading for mercy and grace, where God would just be moved by his love for you to show you mercy at that time as you pray for him for forgiveness for your sin. So I encourage you, if you've never done that before, do it today. If you've never prayed to God about your death and about the judgment that you deserve, look at Christ's example of prayer here and come before God today. Pray about your death. Pray to the one who can save you from death. Pray with a fervency. Pray with a reverent, submissive attitude toward God. And then if you have done that, and I hope that everybody in this room has, 
Remember the good news that if you come before God in earnest prayer, a submissive, a reverent prayer like Jesus Christ did, then you will be saved out of death and God's wrath. You are saved out of God's wrath and God's wrath and death. That's my twelfth main point this morning. Pray successfully because we see that Jesus' prayer was successful here in verse seven. Because of his reverent submission, because of he meant what he said, because he prayed about his death, he was heard and he was saved. So take heed this morning that if you have done that, then you are indeed saved. And when you die, you will not face condemnation at the judgment. Instead, you will go in to have eternal life. Jesus promises in John 6:37, "Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. If you come to God in prayer, begging for salvation, He won't drive you away, and you will have salvation. I know some Christians really struggle to accept that they are saved. They go through life with lots of doubts. They say, yes, I have prayed about my death. Yes, I have cried so many times. I've been so upset with great sorrow about my salvation. And yes, I have been reverently submissive as I've done it. I've come before God knowing that it's all got to be of his mercy and grace. But I still don't feel like I'm saved. I don't feel that I'm going to have eternal life. I don't know that I am. Well, look at Jesus' example here. He was one who prayed fervently. He was one who prayed submissively about his death. And what happened to him? He was saved. And if you have done that, take some assurance in that fact that you are saved. Satan loves to give us those doubts, to plague us, so that we become ineffective We say, oh, I'm not sure I'm a Christian, so I really can't tell other people about Jesus. I really can't do much. I can't serve at church because I don't think I'm actually a Christian. Satan loves to give us doubts about our salvation so that we're rendered ineffective for God's kingdom. So if you have prayed about your death fervently, submissively, then take heart. That just as Jesus was heard, you are heard. And as Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That is something you can cling on to and know that you are indeed saved. So have you prayed a petition? Have you held out an olive branch to God about your own death? Fervently to God in reverence and mission? Well, if you have, rest assured that you are saved from death. And you can be sure of that because of the fact that Jesus Christ was raised to life after he prayed with reverence and mission. Just as his prayer was heard and answered, so our prayers are heard and answered as well. Let us come before our God in prayer now. Let us pray with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our great high priest, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he was a man who lived on earth and prayed prayers of petition about his own death with tears and loud cries and in reverence submission. And then we see that he was indeed saved out of death, that he satisfied the wrath that you had against so many of the people in this room this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we can follow his example and we can come before you in prayer. 
and ask for forgiveness for our sins. Ask that you would save us out of death. Ask that you would save us from your wrath, which we so deserve. And we can know that if we come before you and ask for forgiveness through Jesus' death of the cross, we are indeed heard and we have eternal salvation. Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning who has not done that. We pray that you may work in their hearts even now. May they consider their own death. May they consider the wrath that they deserve. And may they come before you in prayer. And may they find salvation in Christ. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.